what is going on? This is Michael Hacker with the Hacker Outdoors Podcast. On today's episode, the gang is joined by my good friend and all-around outdoorsman, Christopher Barbieri. Chris is here to speak with us about switching from skiing to snowboarding, his recent trips up north to New Hampshire to snowboard, and what it takes to get into rock climbing. We really enjoyed speaking with Chris, and if you like what you hear, please give us a thumbs up and a review. Without further ado, come on. There we go. And we are on. Guys, thank you for joining us today. Um, I have Brian, Joe, and our next guest, Chris Barbieri, on today. We're going to talk a little bit about snowboarding and rock climbing here in New Jersey and in the Northeast. Um, welcome, guys. How's everyone doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Yeah, Brian? Yeah, another day in paradise. Dif- different location <laughs> today for you. I'm, I'm loving that tie-dye surfboard behind you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of my good ones. Another one shaped by me. Another one shaped by you. Yeah. Well, Chris, thanks for joining, man. Um, yeah. We've been talking about getting you on for a few weeks here. Chris and I have known each other for quite a amount, quite a good amount of time, I'd say. Um, you know, we work together and then have been doing some outdoor activities together for, geez, the better part of a decade now. Um, yep. So invited Chris on today to talk a little bit about his most recent trips up north, um, snowboarding here on the East Coast, uh, and then we're going to jump right into some rock climbing uh, questions and uh, learning a little bit about that today. So Chris, first of all, tell us a little bit about um, you, kind of your outdoor pursuits and really what drove you to get into snowboarding. Cause I know you used to be a two planker. We won't hold that against you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I started skiing in uh, middle school in Cedar Grove. We used to have a, uh, a guy in town who would run like a, uh, a town wide trip where like all the kids would like get together on Sundays and meet at like town hall. And we'd take a bus trip to mountain Creek every Sunday where they'd just drop us off in the morning and then leave us until the mountain closed at night. So it was a good opportunity as kids to just go out and do whatever you wanted to do. Um, so yeah, just did that until like probably way after high school where I guess eventually we just stopped skiing altogether because now that we finally had to pay for stuff on our own, it was too expensive and didn't have a job at that time that would really support that. Um, yeah. And then I guess in the last year, year or two, um, I went uh, skiing with my girlfriend who was a snowboarder. And yeah, I felt like I was on my old skis and I felt like the skis were really fast compared to the board. And I said, I should just learn how to snowboard. Um, and there was a night where somebody else we had on the mountain had similar size feet to me and could ski and we just switched that night and then started learning. I remember you telling me about that and we were, we were joking a few times when we were in the office together and you'd said, oh, you bored? I used to ski. Um, and you <laughs> always said, you know, let's kind of get together and, and make it happen. But, you know, you, you kind of made it happen outside and that was that was awesome to hear that you made the switch uh, i know i see brian smirking over there he's <laughs> we always joke about two plankers and the, the difference between skiing and snowboarding and the people that do that right um so you recently took a trip so you were telling us um before we hit record here that you you got a northeast pass what is that and what um mountains are that good at, or is that good at yeah so we were looking before the season started um, you know, cause uh, as a kid, I always had like a mountain Creek season pass. And then ever since then, we were always just like buying tickets, going somewhere, going with whatever 
REI discounted mountains were there, like blue or whatever discount trips we can get. But uh, I knew that this year with all of the reservation systems coming up, that that was probably like a pipe dream to have discounted tickets and stuff this year. Um, so, I mean, some people had bought Epic passes like way last year, or like the previous years where Vail had taken over some of the uh, mountains around here. Um, but before, uh, before the season started in the fall, we'd pick up, it's called the Epic Northeast Value Pass. Um, so it's, it's mainly for uh, Pennsylvania, New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, and then there's some a little bit further north and some in Ohio that we're not really concerned about. Uh, but the local stuff around here is we have Jack Frost Big Boulder, we have Hunter Mountain, and then in Vermont, there's Okemo and Mount Snow and Stowe. And then there were four in New Hampshire, which is where we went to Wildcat, Adatash, Sunapee, and Crotchet Mountain. Um, that's actually a lot on there. Um, do you mind asking Ballpark? What, what, what did that cost for the year? Uh, it was it was 600 for the pass. Let me put this in perspective. We have, by me in PA, um, we have two small – we have Ski Roundtop, Ski Liberty, and, and Ski Whitetail is in Maryland. Oh, and there are three that, that's, on, that's, that's on it. So the, the Whitetail Liberty Roundtop Pass is like a thousand dollars. I'll look it up now. It, I mean, when I had the shop, I mean, we're talking back in the early two thousands, the pass was still like four or five hundred dollars. So that's a hell of a deal. Yeah, it's wow. been great. I mean, I doubt we're going to make it to all. We're trying to go to most of the places. I doubt we're going to get everywhere. But it's, you know, now that we've gone at least six or seven times, and you know, we went up to stow in the preseason when there was like nothing there but it's it served its value already so everything now is just no definitely because lift tickets are like probably like 70 bucks a day i mean i know out west some places are, are pushing 100 a day well we were we were I, talking about that yeah. before you joined joe uh, like i think creek mountain creek is like 80 something dollars before taxes for a day pass and it doesn't matter a weekday or a weekend um that's uh, i mean we it, Put into perspective for a moment. Last year, I think I bought pre uh, preseason. So over the summer, I bought my season pass, full season, and I want to say it was like two hundred and ninety dollars. I might be wrong on that, but yeah, somewhere think, around that. So when I lived in Colorado, they had the, the thing for people to do. I think it was called like the Buddy Pass or something along those lines. And basically, it, I think it was Keystone, a basin, Breck, um, I think Vale and Beaver Creek, and um. Now this was back in like two thousand three or two. That pass was I think like three ninety nine, but there was black. They blacked out. There was blackout days, but it was the holidays, and you wouldn't want to be out there anyway because it's how how packed it is. But even still, now they still have that deal out there. It's a little bit more, but it's still hardly a great deal. Wow. I just, I just checked Big Sky. If you wanted to get a pass for this coming weekend, it's one hundred ninety four dollars. Wow. Yeah. In a day or for the full weekend? For a day. Wow, man. Jeez. Yeah, they, they, want, they want people – like, I know people who go out there on vacation, they'll buy passes. You can buy different passes that, that go extend days that are cheaper than – you know, work out being cheaper than what you pay a day. But you got to get up to Akimo because Akimo is a really fun place too. Love Akimo. You want to throw there, yeah. So what were your thoughts on the mountains, Chris? So when we went up to uh, New Hampshire recently – well, we did. We went to Stowe in the preseason, and 
I mean, the area was a ghost town and the mountain had just one long blue run open. That was like the entire place. Um, but then we had that storm that hit us down here really bad. Um, but it didn't hit that far up. So by the time we made it all the way north into Wildcat, you know, like six hours up into New Hampshire, there still wasn't that much snow. They still had like one long run open. Um, and originally we had planned to stay at Wildcat and go to Adatash, which is like near it. But we wound up rebooking our passes further south to mountains that were like two, three hours south because they had more snow than the northern mountain did. So uh, when we got down to Mount Sunapi and Crotchet Mountain, like they had their whole mountain open for most of it at least. But the more northern places weren't really worth going to because they didn't have anything open. Wow. Which is I, un yeah. unusual. It is because, you know, Beach Mountain down in North Carolina has probably more snow than couple of those places you mentioned seen some clips coming out of there and they got a pretty good base for down there it is, it's quite unusual um, it would be awesome if jay's peak was on that 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 pass he has because mm. jay's peak is absolutely amazing that's like the third time we've talked about jay's peak huh? oh my God, on this podcast dude. in the past couple of weeks man uh, their yeah. blade runs are out of the world and, and they get so much snow it just dumps up there oh man I yeah so that I, I was apprehensive to buy a pass this year for many reasons right but I think you know snow quality being one of the major ones right um I I didn't see it being a great year and honestly so far I don't think it has been I was looking at some pictures from Creek um I'm, I'm glad I didn't buy it I still would have gone um but you know I think trips north I think people are still kind of scared about that um yeah, I think it's good and bad. I, I was trying to see what was going to play out. Chris, you and I talked about it. Um, you know, what are they going to be doing with the lifts? What are they going to be doing with the gondolas and everything like that? It's just kind of still, I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird situation. Um, but let, let's pivot for, you know, for the remainder here and, uh, you know, get into the. Crunk, one or, quick question for him though. Yeah, go so ahead. How, how, how are the mountains working up there with COVID? Because I'm, I'm kind of the belief you're in the outdoors and, you know, skiing you're not really hugging people yeah well as far as i know you know when we're going online we're booking through epic you know of course there's limited capacity in the preseason you had to book like the week of and now with epic pass you can book like you know as far out as you want basically um but yeah most of the resorts like main parts of the lodge are closed or if like the lodge has like a downstairs is the bathroom and the upstairs is the eatery like it's blocked like you can only enter in certain ways come out certain ways um, but besides that, it's really just on the lift line. No one's really keeping you six feet apart because, I mean, skis and boards are already that far apart. But, you know, if you're not wearing your mask when you're at the bottom and you're in the lift line, you, it, the places that are stricter, people are going to, you know, yell at you to put their, your masks on. But I really haven't seen a lot of people not complying with that. Everyone just is. And then when, when you get on your run, if you want to take your mask off, you just put it back on at the bottom. Um, so I haven't seen anything really major, just, you know, hand sanitizer yeah, say everywhere. That even nowadays most guys who ski or snowboard yeah. wear masks you know yeah gators but huh. yeah no it's interesting yeah i was curious about that too that was a good question joe um so let, let's pivot so you know when people think of new jersey or the northeast they don't specifically think of rock climbing they don't think of a lot of things they don't think of beauty they don't think of outdoors activities at large but um there is a quite a large climbing community here in the tri-state area, right? New York, 
New Jersey, Connecticut. And you have been involved in that for as long as I've known you in before that. Um, so kind of get into it a little bit for me, if you don't mind. How does one get into rock climbing in New Jersey and what does that look like? Okay, so the way that I got into rock climbing in New Jersey was uh, you and your brother know that I used to play Ultimate Frisbee a lot. Um, so I feel like rock climbing is one of those things that ex-Ultimate players wind up getting into, something on the other extreme end of sports. Um, so uh, I had a couple friends who uh, were living behind me at the time in Cedar Grove. Um, and I met up with them and they said, hey, you know, we're going down to New Jersey Rock Gym in Fairfield. Uh, they said that there's a group on for it. They're like, do you want to come down and try rock climbing? And of course, I thought that sounded like a lot of fun, like a, you know, adult jungle gym type deal. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm there. Um, and then I went once. And from that day, I bought a monthly pass. And I've probably had a pass monthly somewhere to rock gym ever since at that point. So. But you, so you started... There you started in the gym, right? And then you moved on from there to do a little bit of outside bouldering. And then you went on to actual like climbing rock faces outside, but majority of your climbing is in the gym, right? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, most people, they get to the gym, maybe they climb for like six months to a year. And then they meet up with a group of people there and somebody says, Hey, we're going outside, blah, blah, blah. And somebody says, I've never been out before. And then they, you get strung along and then you, learn how to climb outside where I'm sure the case before gyms uh, and probably some people in other areas going outside is their first experience. Um, but it's definitely a much softer and safer introduction to like go to the gym first and learn and then get thrown outside. I think. Yeah. Um, I have buddies that have been climbing for a long time. And back in the day when they started, there was no real gyms like that. And they were just out there doing it. I mean, one guy I'm, I'm buddies with is, really going insane he's he's taking it to ice climbing they'll, they'll go out ice climbing they'll, you know, frozen waterfalls and stuff but they spend a lot of time we've got gyms down here and those gyms just training and training i'm sure it's a crazy workout too yeah there's a lot of uh like you're saying before about like most of the time being in the gym especially during the winter and like weeknights when we don't have the sun i mean that's all we have really so you know we wind up just going climbing at the gym in the summer when the hours are longer you know we could try and get out um, you know, on the weeknights, if there's enough sun and we can go somewhere close, but yeah, most of the time we're, we're in the gym just because that's the, uh, that's what we have to do. Do, do you have any plans in the future for taking like trips to go rock climbing or have you taken any trips you know, me, climbing or? The only trips that I've done climbing, I mean, we've only done by car, you know, we've gone five hours South, five hours North. So, you know, going as far down as like places like West Virginia or going up into, Vermont or the Adirondacks. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that I climb with have, you know, hopped on a plane and, you know, either different countries or going out west. Um, but we do have a lot of different climbing just here on the East Coast. So, um, yeah, hope in the future I will. But at this point, I don't know when that was flying. So, yeah, I mean, because like you said, the West Virginia PA has got a lot. Yeah. And people always I, forget Jersey. I mean, they just think Jersey, they think major metropolitan areas. But there, there's there is a ton of nature in Jersey, as I always say. There's a lot. Yeah. I was going to say, so I, I think, you know, going into a gym or getting into a sport in general is always intimidating in so many ways, shapes and forms. Right. Um, 
I can tell you that the Fairfield gym is incredibly open. Uh, the few times that I've been there, it's everyone that I've ever met there has been very welcoming and has always um, been pretty friendly with, you know, getting you involved. Um, so if anyone is trying to get into climbing, do not hesitate to go to a gym. They are not going to, they're not going to bite, at least not unfriendly bites. Um, everybody's friendly. Um, so, you know, when you first got out of the gym and you climbed outdoors, what did you look for? Did you, you said you went with some, some colleagues of yours. I know we did a little bit of bouldering, uh, not too far from you in, I think it was Cedar Grove, if I'm not mistaken, not Little Falls. Um, but, you know, outside of like local immediate areas, did you go to the Shrogunks? Did you go, um, you know, any place out West here in Jersey? Yeah, I think my first time outside was at a, a place that climbers call Power Lines, um, which is in like Suffern, New York, kind of like right when you pass from uh, from 287 into the throughway, uh, you can kind of like kind of see Mount Fuji, the Japanese restaurant up there from the area. Um, yeah, and that was from my first couple times at the gym. And, you know, somebody said, hey, we're going out, you know, on Saturday. And, you know, as a somebody at the gym who doesn't have any equipment, I don't have crash pads or I don't have anything for going outside. You just tag along with people because you don't have any of that yet. Um, and that was a fun day. Um, you know, I definitely like the, I guess the adrenaline or the, uh, the aspect of like climbing something tall and getting up there. It did start to rain at the end of the day and we continued to climb, which is a, is a really bad idea. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that. And, but it was definitely a interesting first experience outside. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd want to be climbing if, if, uh, it was raining. Uh, that raining is out. for sure. So yeah. I, no. I got a question. So, um, price wise, like getting into it, you know, gear and every, you know, it's a pretty pricey, you know, is it something that's not too bad price wise? No. I'm, I mean, gym, uh, like gyms in general are in uh, I guess the climbing equipment you need too. Oh yeah. 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 So your equipment, I mean, it it's expensive as you want to make it. I mean, you can probably grab a pair of, you know, cheaper shoes for about like 60 to 80 bucks and then you can grab a harness, but realistically those things should last you a long time. Um, if you're somebody who like really takes it seriously, I mean, people who have like very high end shoes that are like, I have some shoes that are like 160 bucks and you can burn through them in like half a year before they need work or resoling. Um, but getting into it at the start is not super expensive. I think you could, you know, pick up two things pretty cheap and use them for a while. But yeah, I, I think I, that's I, always, oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. Uh, I, I said, I think that's variable. Cause like I threw through my shoes, like, like it's nobody's job, but I know some people who've had the same shoes for like two years. So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, and you look at the old like 70s climbers, right? Maybe even late 60s. Yeah. <laughs> and they were doing it in jeans and like tank tops and like regular shoes. So oh, yeah. I, I you... still, I do it in cut off shorts and tank tops still. <laughs> um, so that's, Brian, you never got into climbing, did you? No, you know, there's, I, I think it's funny enough to come with us. The, the listeners, you know, don't know this yet, but I, I was a Boy Scout for years, and it was funny. They kind of introduced me a lot of my outdoor activities, and climbing was just wasn't one of them that we ever kind of put past us. Um, I know, Mike, you and uh, Bob would do rock scrambles, and I'm talking about doing stuff like that, and uh, some bouldering, and, and uh, 
I think you even had climbing shoes in the closet when we shared a room yeah. when we were kids. Um, but, you know, just something that I wouldn't say didn't interest me or was more of a, uh, I, I didn't have it in front of me. Like, like you know, the other activities, surfing, fishing, you know, snowboarding, where I was just kind of in it. Um, as, as an adult, I, it's something I totally would love to do. You know, I, I, I brought in groups of friends uh, backpacking up in the Catskills and I found, uh, you know, different rock walls. I was like, well, this would be a really fun climbing place. I don't know if you're, you know, mapped it on, on your side, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting activity. And, you know, you, you actually brought up a, something that kind of caught my attention about the, uh, the climbing gyms. Um, surfing is kind of going to deal with something similar that climbing has right now with, with climbing gyms where you're going to have groups of people who learn in a pool and then they're going to kind of go outside and kind of experience it firsthand. So I'm curious what, what the, you know, kind of what the interaction is going to be similar. Um, or like the learning curve, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's definitely yeah. a learning curve. What, what's the, the cost of, let's say a month pass at a, you know, a local climb gym, if, if you know, off the top of your head, Chris. Oh yeah. I mean, you're probably looking, if you're looking at a place like NJ rock, you're probably looking in like the 60 to 70 range or something. Yeah. And then there are gyms, you know, we have gravity vaults that are all over the place. It's one that's in Hoboken, you know, they'll, they'll be a little bit more expensive because they're a franchise, but um, they're not, I mean, they're more expensive than a regular gym for sure. Um, but as far as like specialty stuff goes, it's not too bad. I mean, that's like, it's probably like an hour's worth of like tennis court time somewhere. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Unless you just find tennis courts and play regardless of whether or not you're a member. Yeah. Well, well, that's not that possible nowadays with the, the whole pickle pickleball craze going on. Oh, I don't hit up there, but dude, don't even talk I, to me about pickleball. Not that man. I play tennis, but if I did, there's no way there'd be like gangs of angry senior citizens whacking me with paddles. It's it's nuts down here. That's a story for another time, man. <laughs> yep, that's right. We we we're playing tennis locally at our um, local lake has one down here and we show up and people show up with all their dogs. We used to do the same thing when Toby was alive, Mike Doberman, we would bring them to tennis courts and let them run around. It's people like show up and they're like, look, and they're like, Oh, we usually let our dogs run in there now. It's like, well, it's a tennis court, man. Like, yeah. like, sorry, I'm playing. If you beat me here, I would have let you continue to run, but Oh, well, and, and don't even get me started with those, those, pickleball people man brian and i could tell you <laughs> stories about that offline <laughs> and chris knows the guy as well um oh man yeah. I know multiple. you know multiple now yeah it's uh, not right. a control well, well you're gonna join works. you're gonna yeah. join you have a custom-made paddle you shaped he oh, looks like he's a pickleballer right yeah no, it's just a little bit i got my white polo ready to go back to the, oh. to the climbing i, I actually uh, what, I, what intrigues me too is that it's a low cost outdoor activity. People Especially bouldering. Yeah, people can get into this and safely, well, I wouldn't say safely, but if, if they have good direction, could get into this and, and do it pretty cheap. Yeah, I'll say, yeah, like you just said, bouldering is definitely on the end of the cheaper part of the activity because you may buy a crash pad, you know, once and then that's it. But if you're, if you're into like, uh, they call it like trad climbing where you know, you're going up and, you know, a crack is like this big and you've got that gear that fits in this crack, but maybe you need like 12 of them or something. People have these like, their garage are just filled with racks and racks and racks of different kinds of protection. So you could, you could get crazy with it. But yeah, I would say bouldering is a good, pretty low cost sport. I think the most important, the, the most expensive thing is that people are just constantly buying new shoes or resoling their shoes. But 
Um, yeah, bouldering is definitely a more low-cost sport than the rest of it. Yeah, and that's always what we did. I mean, we, I started with climbing in, in high school, Mr. Fowler, right? He got us involved in, uh, it was a D.A.R.E. program where we had a climbing wall in our gym at the high school before we had this whole kind of like outdoor gymnasium thing where they had rope swings and all sorts of craziness. Um, but we had a rock gym and they would bring in these sixth graders and we would run a climbing day for these kids. And, you know, we took them through the whole motions, right? We had this great kid who was on my, um, um, one of my squads is this kid, Paul, he was a fantastic climber, speed climber. He could make it up the wall in like literally three bounds and he was tiny. I mean, this kid was like five, two, it was the most amazing thing in the world. And here I am, I was a lanky, you know, teenager and take me double the time, three times the time. Um, but that was my first kind of entryway into that. And uh, there's Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it kind of evolved after that because we didn't have access to gyms back then. I think, you know, around 2000, the, there were no real gyms. At least you didn't know of them. Um, so we found outdoor places. And actually the one place we always went to, Bob and I, was the, the place that you and I went to down in uh, Cedar Grove. You know, we, you know, you're talking kind of the beginning of Google back then. And we found, you know, through some forum that there were these, you know, boulders that you can climb. And we went there. We went there quite frequently um, and always loved doing it. It's, it's funny you say, that. you know, I like once again, back to college, I was out there in 2002 and, you know, all the towns, like in all their YMCA type deals, they all had these giant, you know, rock climbing walls and all that stuff. And I thought it was crazy, but it's funny now the schools by me are installing them in their school. There's, there's one North Harvard high school that's had it in there now for about four or five years. It's it's definitely becoming a really popular sport. Well, I think it builds character, right? And I think, especially for younger, younger kids, it's allowing people to, you know, kind of feel comfortable with themselves, know that they can get over their fear of heights, know that, you know, if you're strapped into something that even if you fall, you know, your teammates are going to make sure you don't get injured or at least don't get hurt badly. Right. Um, now, you know, bouldering is a, a different story and outdoor rock climbing is a different story. I mean, have you been injured doing this, Chris? Oh yeah. I mean, I think bouldering, bouldering and rope climbing outside comes with an inherent risk either way. Um, you know, there's been times I've injured myself just popping off of something that was four feet from the floor and, you know, you didn't know that there was a, a rock jutting out from under your crash pad. So, I mean, it could happen from something really severe or it could be from something really silly that you're doing too. Um, you know, if you're bouldering anything from like zero to 10 feet, you're probably relatively safe. But I mean, people take bouldering to, uh, they would call it high bowling, which is like kind of when you're pushing like that 20, 30 foot range. Um, and people go into this like, like a no fall zone basically where like, if you fell, you know, you might not die, but you know, something like really, you're going to mess yourself up pretty bad. Um, and in general with rope climbing, I mean, if you're top roping outside where the rope is already above you and you're just kind of hanging from it, you're, you know, relatively low risk. Um, but in the scenario where you're lead climbing and, you know, there's that counterbalance between you and your belayer, you know, you could fall and still fall like 20, 30 feet on the rope still. So, you know, there is, there is a lot of consideration for, going outside but you know there's a lot of uh techniques and uh things that you can do to make it a lot safer and then you look at people like alex honald right or if i'm destroying his name right uh free soloing el cap like 
you know, that's something that people traditionally don't do yeah. that. Um, it, that's a whole nother area that that's just insane. What are your thoughts on something like that? Would you ever do anything like that at that height? Yeah, no, but I mean, it, it's a, you know, it really depends on what it is. Like, people people watch that movie and then they're like, oh, they're like, you guys rock climb. And I'm like, that's not what we do. And even what he does is very different from like other, what other very big wall climbers are doing. Like, he doesn't usually do that kind of stuff. Like, on a regular climbing day, like he's climbing with ropes, doing things that are probably harder than what he's doing. But, uh, you know, he says he's like, like a gymnast and doing like a perfect routine, but he's done that. The thing that you see him do, he's done it on ropes, like hundreds and hundreds of times. So he knows the exact thing, but that's like such a minute, like piece of like, I guess the climbing world or even people that do that kind of thing, you know, cause some of them are dead already. It, it takes some sort of, I want to say this respectfully, like, like there's something wrong with you. Like, in my opinion, it's like people who do extremely big wave surfing, like you're pushing the limits of what it is that humanity should do. And I, I mean, I, I applaud him for, for doing what he did with El Cap and what he continues to do. Joe, I see your video mm -hmm. upside down there with the dogs. Um, but like, I, I don't get it. I, that's like a whole nother level of stuff. And I see Brian shaking his head. I, you, you agree, right, Brian? Although you want a big wave surf, so I don't, you're on mute, so. But, go ahead. Oh, 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 Brian? Yeah, Brian, so, oh, there you yeah, there so, like the big wave surfing, it, there's a whole nother level of crazy you have to have in you to be able to just turn it off in your head you're like okay here we are this is what we're doing um you know i, I don't know if there's but that's it, any big wave that's, uh, you know rock climbing massive mount like anything I mean, that's to an extreme that's in it, uh, i don't know big wave surfing kill you like that i mean if you're not training and you know and you're out there in 20 30 foot surf and you eat it and then you're just getting pounded by the set i mean Mark yeah, Fu. I, I mean, Mark Fu was an incredible surfer, and yeah. you know, unfortunately, what happened with Mark at Mavericks is is you know. tragic. Yeah. I think it's. I think that the big wave is is worse because, like, you, say you pick a route that you're going to climb, you could do it on a rope a hundred times. You could rehearse the movement. You can train and get ready for it. But the variability of that one time that you go up and down has so much less variability than one giant wave that you don't know exactly how it's going to run out. So I think they're like very, very different things. I think the wave is way scarier. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Well, the wave's I mean, moving, I, right? I'm not, I'm not, I don't like heights, even though I snowboarded up you know, 13,000 feet. That doesn't bother me, but climbing, I don't know. Yeah. My hands are getting but a lot too. of those snowboarders, they, 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 you know, when they're going out in the back country, they have that, that knowledge and know how to climb. Yeah. That, too. that interests me. Oh, no, like, I, uh, like hike, hiking backcountry? Yeah. I think about that a lot, actually. It is um, so fun, but if you're not ready for that altitude, oh my God, man. I know. Let me tell you, it, it hits you hard. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few spots here on the East Coast that have done a lot of research, and you know, maybe, maybe next season when we get a couple of good dumpings, because it's been a couple of years since we had a heavy snow year, so 
it's got to be a heavy snow year to do it here on the East Coast. Yeah, I've, I've hiked what's it called up in Vermont. Um, that real huge peak that they have up there. I always forget the name of it. But still, I think that the top of that peak, I think, is like 7,000, 8,000. And yeah. when you're out in the Midwest or even in California and, you know, you're starting at 9,000, 8,000 feet elevation and going to 12, 13. Yeah. It well, we climbed. Like you wouldn't believe. We climbed that, that Ajax in Telluride. Yeah, and so was, you know. What, 14? And we started at, I think it was nine. And that was... But I love it. I'm not afraid of heights. It, I mean, I don't like jumping from them. I'm, I'm good if my feet are on terra firma. But like, you know, I think both Chris and Brian know that from our time trying to, you know, cliff jump. But, uh, you know, I, yeah. I'm not well, afraid. I would jump like, cliffs I'll... all day long. But no. something about being on a face and just like hanging is like. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Um, Brian, you want to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, you know. The next progression, Chris, sounds like uh, once you, you know, snowboard at the end of the season is to start thinking about routes you can, you know, climb and then snowboard down. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, I guess the next thing to learn is uh, ice climbing. But honestly, that that is way scarier to me than almost all of regular climbing. Um, you know, just kind of like for the same reasons or the, like the wave or like big mountain riding, it's like, hey, avalanche, like, boom. You know, on a regular rock, it's like if you've climbed it a bunch of times, you kind of know what you're dealing with. You know, but then ice climbing, it's like, who knows when all that stuff is just going to fall off the minute that you hit it. So, so my buddy, there was a spot in West Virginia they would go to. And there's some waterfalls that freeze over and um, they're not that bad. Like the height wise, I don't know, maybe 100, 200 feet. They didn't look yeah. too oh, hard God. to me, but they were like, when he went there, I mean, it was just so frozen <laughs> solid. It, it was nuts. But. Only, only Joe, only 100, 200 feet. That's dude. I, I... Yeah. It was. It's hard to. It's, it looked different than like climbing sheer rock walls because it was like in the forest and like it might not it even looks be awesome. feet. It might Don't have been like fifty wrong. feet. Don't but, get me wrong. It looks awesome. The walls I, just, I agree with Chris. Bigger to me. Yeah, I agree with Chris. It, it, there's too many variables that would just not. I don't know. Yeah, if, no. you, if like if you're hiking the Alps and climbing during the winter, yeah, out, you know, or in the Midwest, that yeah, avalanches scare the crap out of me. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah. yeah. That's one of the eeriest things in the world. It's the beginning of the day when you're out west and you hear the the, uh, the dynamite going off up top because they're triggering all the the, the drops and the. You shoot. would be surprised how many people don't pay attention yeah. to that. It's loud. And, and duck ropes out west, and that's not something. You know, over here on the east coast, you duck a rope. You know, you're not taking your life into hands, but out there, you know, if you go up to these fields and the higher reaches, and you're ducking ropes, you know. Slides happen at resorts, you know, and they, and they do happen yearly sometimes. Yeah, not not for me. That and doing tree runs and <laughs> sunny sunny bonoing. Yeah, I see you oh, smiling. So this is back to the tree runs. So the real tree runs out there aren't as bad as you think. Like if you're actually like hitting a glade run, like you know, they're nice aspen trees or firs. Yeah. You just got to take your time. You can't. Sonny Bono through them, like yeah, yeah. No, it's all about yeah. But remember that day we had a pow day last year at Creek, and I remember being on the lift. And I'm selling this guy out, but it was one of the uh, one of the ski patrolmen, and he jumped on the lift with me, Mike, and he said, "I forget how much snow we got, but it was over a foot." He said, "If you're gonna if you're gonna duck the rope, today's the day." And I remember laughing about it with you. And I was like, "All right, well, <laughs> we were gonna anyway, but it's still fun." There, there's serious consequences in the Midwest to be. Or yeah. California, like in Tahoe, 
d- d- doing stupid things on the mountain. For example, here I was out there at Keystone, a, a guy from Maryland, I think he was like 22 at the time, he was riding Keystone and somehow he was just ducking ropes and going in the back. And he had this like one hut there shut where they had to kept water to spray snow. And he was skiing, hit this shed, went into the shed and drowned in the water. Oh, wow. Because, yeah. I mean, stuff like that happens all the time. Then there was two guys, I think they're from Jersey actually, who came out to hike the Quandry, which is the 14,000 foot mountain breck. And it's, it's like a face like this. But they say it's the easiest. It almost looks like a pyramid. And they went out like the day after a snowstorm, and guess what happened? It slid. The one guy was trapped up to his boobies. Another guy had to hike down and get him. The guy was out there trapped for, I think it was like a day. He survived, but he, I mean, he lost wow. a foot because of frostbite. I mean, people go out there and do this stuff all the time. It, it's it's insane. Well, it goes back to what we were saying. You got to respect nature, and you need to know your limits, right? Like you don't go in and. You especially, you know, Taurus, right? We talked about a little bit about Havasu and, you know, having to rescue people on, you know, hiking trails and stuff like that. People getting into things that they shouldn't be doing. Like, know your limits, know nature, pay attention to what's going on around you and have a little spatial awareness and you should be okay. You know, use your common sense and you should be okay. Um, You know, of course, accidents happen, freak accidents happen, but you know, don't duck ropes, man. Don't go like pay attention. If you hear something that sounds like dynamite, just pop your head up real quick and take a look. Don't um, you remember me telling you that when I was there, like everybody kept telling me before the mountain opened that, dude, somebody's going to fall off the lift in the first day. And I thought yeah. they were messing with me. And yeah. dude, within the first hour, somebody fell off. The, like, how does that happen? Like, so you're out there fell- messing around. So oh, it happens the- all the time. All yeah, the time. It. it was here on the East Coast. It was in New York. What'd you say, Brian? Somebody fell off the lift this uh, this week, past weekend, here in, in New York. Uh, really? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna burn who it was, but last season when we went, um, someone that we know almost fell off the lift because she wasn't paying attention. Um, yes, so it, it can happen. I, I mean, just always please be be careful out there, regardless of what it is you're trying to do. Um, yeah, and I think you know we're coming up on on the end here. We've been going for about forty minutes. Um, yeah, I Chris, always a pleasure having you on, man. Um, always talking to you in general, rather. I'd love to have you come back, um, maybe in a couple of weeks to hear a little bit more about your snowboarding. Maybe by then, Brian and I'll get out there. Yeah. Um, keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how. I wanted to ask. I forgot um, the New Hampshire mount. And how how were they? Snow condition. They weren't good. You said right. Yeah, uh, up at Wildcat, like I said, like only one trail was open from top to bottom and there was spraying snow on the whole thing while we were there. So that was, no it was pretty narrow too. Uh, but when we got down to Sunapee and Karacha Mountain, it, I mean, it was all man-made, but they had a lot of the mountain open at least. But, you know, it's, it's not what you'd expect for going that far north. It, it will get there, I think, this season. Yeah. It's just a late start. Yeah, yeah, I think that that rainstorm we had, I think, just killed everything. Yeah, yeah. The, the people up there said it like wiped everything out. Yeah. Uh, another thing I heard from a guy up at uh, where were we? I think we were at Crotchet Mountain. Is uh, he was saying that when when the Vale Resorts took over a bunch of those places, that they cut back on the snowmaking. The guy was saying that budgetarily if they weren't getting enough reservations that they would cut back on the amount of snow they were making due to the budget so 
that could also have something to do with the amount of snow that they did not have there. I was wondering what was going to happen there because I remember in Vail, Baltimore, all those, you know, out in the Midwest, they don't blow a lot of snow. Very little. I feel like a, a lot of a lot of places I've been to in the past couple of years, they haven't been blowing a lot of snow. I mean, even a creek, Brian and I had been up there a couple of times last year, and it was like, but I, well, I thought it was prime days to be blowing. I mean, it wasn't hot, and it was you were like you should be blowing constantly and get a so nice layer. Nothing. I can tell you this with the old machines, the the snow crew who used to run the mountains by us used to say, "No, this is with the older machines that they needed." 24 or 48 hours below 32 degree temperature to really make it work. If they weren't going to get that, they weren't going to do that. Um, they, they're newer snow guns now that they can output a ton more and, and, and avoid that. But I don't think some of these places have necessarily upgraded their, their guns. I don't know. But, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time, Chris. Thank you, man, for yes, joining man. us. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed yourself a little bit. Next time we should all join with whiskeys or something and, uh, you know, <laughs> fireside chat a little bit about uh, outdoor activities. And I think Brian's smirking a little bit about that. He likes that idea. Yeah, I can definitely put on a nice pair of chaps and sip my cocoa. Yeah. But thanks, thanks for joining, dude. No, yeah. Maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get you guys the climbing before the, uh, before the next meeting. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm a peg leg, so oh yeah, <laughs> can't do it. I wish I could. It's all right, dude. I'm down though. I'm down. Maybe we'll have to record it. And then also, before we let everyone go, you know, um, hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll you know have a little George Washington mission, um, and we'll hopefully record that a little bit as yeah. well. That's I a might, teaser. Might be crossing the Delaware in one shape or form or another. So we'll we'll see, and Brian, you'll be you'll be notified of that activity as well. Um, all right, well, guys, thank you all. Um, have a great weekend, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys. See you. See ya. Later. Later, boys. All right, so that was the Hacker Outdoors podcast with Brian Hacker, Joy McCormick, and our guest Chris Barbieri. If you like what you heard, please give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to or watching this on. Please check the show notes for some links about the topics we discussed today. And as always, we thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.